Welcome back to the Georgia 2024 show. We are I'm coming to you live from Tel Aviv. I got my co-host Bill Quinn. Welcome, Bill. Good afternoon, Todd. It's good to see you. We have a packed show today. We have uh, Robert Bose, who's coming on shortly with the Trump team, Team Trump. We're going to talk about election cases in Georgia. We have a treat for you. Marjorie Wildcraft is going to come on and talk about self-reliance and her Grow Network. We have Chris Gleason, possibly, on election issues. Kurt Brackob. And who am I missing, uh, Bill? One more. You're on mute there, Bill. Sorry about that. No worries. How did I do that? <laughs> uh, Kevin Monklet is going to join oh, us right. and that's talk right, about Kevin. some of the uh, some of the cases that are coming up uh, before the state election board on December nineteenth. So we are brought to you by the Georgia Record, GeorgiaRecord.com, and uh, we are uh, very happy to see you. And thanks for supporting us all this uh, this year. The show has really blossomed and. Uh, Bill, let's go ahead and bring on our first guest. Robert just jumped on. Okay, very good. Hey, Robert, thanks for joining us. Hey, folks. So you, I, I heard you speaking, and you were talking about uh, the the Judge Totenberg and her ruling, and you had uh, an insight on that that I thought was interesting as to why you thought that was happening. So give us give us your thoughts on that, please. Sure. Uh, the, the The headline is that. The judge, Amy Totenberg, found that the systems were vulnerable. The election systems are vulnerable. And that's we you know, a lot of folks have been saying that for a long time. Uh, several liberal professors uh, had opined in that case that the systems were vulnerable. And Judge Totenberg um, sealed that for three years. This case was initially brought in 2017 because right. some uh, progressive people didn't like that Donald Trump won and became president. So they, they sued, it kind of languished. Then uh, they, it got fired back up after 2020. And then, um, but before the, 20, before the 2020 election, Judge Totenberg said, you know, she's likely to rule that the Georgia voters' rights were infringed by the vulnerabilities of the election management systems, the entire, all of them, the direct response elections. And, but she put it under seal because it was too close to the election. So she basically kicked it down the road and, um, Finally, the decision comes out uh, just, what, two weeks ago? Mm -hmm. And she, she basically said that the, um, she agrees with that the plaintiffs are likely to succeed, that there's no conspiracy here, that this is the vulnerability. She agreed with the, the liberal professors, Halderman, Stark, and Appel from Princeton, Michigan, and Berkeley, that the systems are vulnerable to hacking. And... But that, that so that's the good side of it, mm -hmm. but the bad side of it is now that she's using it as a way. The the judge is using it as a way to uh, slam the Coffee County indictees in Georgia, and and accusing them w without any trial, without any information from these folks in that case in the Curly v. Raffensperger case. She didn't call anybody from Coffee County um, to to testify. She accused them of breaching the computer system down there, and she failed. Judge Totenberg failed to tell, right in her order, that she herself is the one federal judge who ordered the investigation of the of the tabulators in Coffee County. So she she knows there's something wrong with the tabulation. They were malfunctioning in the primaries in 2022, in the general election in 2022, 
in, I'm sorry, 2020, primary and general in 2020 and the Senate runoff, they were malfunctioning, which means that, you know, the, the election workers down there were saying, oh, we've got, you know, 1,000 people came through the polls or 2,000 people came, you know, 15,000 in that county. But the machines were only reporting, you know, half of that. So every other person's vote was suppressed by the machines. So you think that would be like a major fire alarm going off with Brad Raffensperger and even Stacey Abrams? Nah, they didn't care about it. So, but these hardworking election workers, including Democrats, said, we better look into this. They waited till after the election of 2020, after the Senate runoff in 2020, 2021. And then they said, let's go look at it. So they did a post-mortem forensic investigation that, the, that Judge Amy Totenberg had already ordered herself. So nobody was looking at voting histories. Nobody's looking at, you know, personal data. They were trying to look at why these machines were failing because Dominion didn't give them a good answer. The machines were failing. So anyway, we got there. In, the, in the curling case now, there's a January 9th trial date and uh, coming up to, um, to deal with a kind of narrow part of this case. The judge uh, dismissed Fulton County. So Fulton County is no longer a defendant, but it's just so it's just Coalition for Good Governance, Marilyn Marks versus the Georgia Secretary of State, Jordan Fuchs in particular, Deputy Secretary of State. Mm -hmm. So she said, we're only going to do this for the ballot marking devices. Forget about they're forgetting about the electronic poll books. They're forgetting about the tabulators. They're forgetting about the election management systems that these three professors said all were, were vulnerable. So all they're working on now is touchscreens, a very tiny part of the fraud or potential for fraud. The vulnerabilities exist across the board. This case is going to deal with just the ballot marking devices and the QR code and all the problems that they've had with that. But the problems there are not with the ballot marking devices. Those problems are there at the tabulators. So they're missing the point. They're totally missing the point on this. And the judge uh, had asked, the parties to yeah try to work out a settlement you know before this trial and uh that's where Marilyn marks and coalition for good governance are going right now to try to work out something just on a narrow part about the, the ballot marking devices but nothing else so guess what we still have the fraud this is still a tremendous opportunity for the georgia legislature to actually do some real work to stop the vote suppression that is going on right now in georgia so you think, well, whose decision was it to narrow? Was it the judge that basically said, you're only going to look at this one small piece and then we'll kick the rest past the election, which is the goal in general, right? Well, it's it's uh, mostly the judge, but I think she, at 77 years old, as, as balanced as she normally is, I think she's been conducive. You know, they, the, the plaintiffs have kind of gotten to her. The mm -hmm. secretary of state's gotten to her. Both of them don't really care about fixing all the election fraud. They kind of want this to get kicked down the kicked down the road again. They want to punt it past the 2024 election. So right. for, for whatever reason, they're just doing the BMDs, and they might have a consent decree coming out that says you can't use use touchscreens in Georgia. So, so basically, they're they're going to give the consent decree, and then we're not going to have another chance prior to the election to deal with the machines in general, or. Or what? What were well, your thoughts? Well, yeah, that's the, that's <laughs> good. Good question. Um, so some some people could say that. Oh well, because there's this. If they do work out a deal between these progressive 
folks, Marilyn Marks and Jordan Fuchs at Secretary of State, if they work out a deal that just deals with the con consent decree on the touch screens, mm -hmm. it, it might be a message to the legislature that everything's fixed, right? Oh, we're hunk everything's hunky-dory. No, it's not hunky-dory. <laughs> they still have to fix the electronic poll books where they, they've got to fix every part of it because it, it, they're all connected to the internet. They're all hackable. The electronic poll book machines, they, they have, they have, um, they're con internet connected, and you know, controlling what voters get into that system is a is a problem right now. C uh, controlling how the tabulators do the error codes in the in the you know with uh, the work of um, Kevin Monkla and, and the Williamson Tennessee problems they had up there about the QR mm -hmm. code mismatch. I'm oh, sorry, QR code errors and the ballot ID mismatch errors in Georgia in like 65 counties at least where you know a bunch of ballots were electronically suppressed and not adjudicated where voters had no chance or or knowledge to even cure the votes in violation of Georgia law so that's going to that's going to still persist even if they try to do this little band-aid fix to say they've got it fixed they don't have it fixed Georgia legislatures this is a gr a tremendous wake up call uh, opportunity to do something. I hope they do. I'm skeptical. I think mm -hmm. this consent decree needs to be expanded to cover all parts of the fraud or the case. If it goes to trial, parties need to intervene. Georgia voters need to intervene say, we want all the fraud removed, not just touchscreen. We want the, the error codes. We want the system log files that are hackable, the e-poll books that are hackable. We want all of it fixed up because we don't want any voter suppression. None in Georgia. We want everybody to get a fair shot at a, at a fair vote. If they're, you know, they're legal, they're in the district, they're competent, you know, they're not felons. Great. Then they can vote. But right now, this uh, Curling v. Raffensperger case is taking a wimpy approach. Um, and, and at the same time, doing this like sidebar commercial to slam good, good people who are innocent in Coffee County. Yeah. It seems like after gosh, going on three years of evidence um, that, you know, some would say, oh, there is no evidence. But of course, you know, there's been researchers all over Georgia, all in this for the last three years. They've got evidence on every step, every piece of the process where every where anything could be going wrong. Tabulators, uh, as you say, the the poll pads, the uh, no link system, the, um, you know, the, the BMDs themselves. It strikes me that it's interesting that they would narrow the the scope to just one of those areas. It feels as if, oh, well, let's get these other things off the table so we don't even get a chance to look at those. Let's let's look at this one factor. Is that is that what part of what you're reading yes, into this? That's what it feels like to me that they they are sweeping the others under the rug. And let's just drill into one part of that. Okay, so. The, the, there's this this um, conflict in the judge's mind right now. She she's heard the experts say that the tabulators are vulnerable, but then on the other side of her mind, she's thinking, well, we have this breach in Coffee County, you know, this reported breach. So if I say that the tabulators are vulnerable, in my opinion, then I cannot also conclude. That the coffee county people did any did something wrong we, you and i we all know 
Nobody did anything wrong in Coffee County and the tabulators are vulnerable. That's why the counts were half as much. You know, 500 people come to the polls, 250 people, the machine says, came through the polls. There's something seriously wrong with that. Dominion couldn't even figure out the root cause of it. So it's, it's, a, 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 it's, a, it's a good assessment, but I think it's, <laughs> they're trying to do, the, the judge is trying to basically slam President Trump and slam the Coffee County breachers, who were not breachers. They were just doing their job after the fact, after the election the operation had finished, after the elections were certified. They wanted just to fi- fix it so it wouldn't happen again, like in 2024. We want a clean, safe, secure election for 2024. The um, uh, the other thing that uh, might bear into this is there. Do you see an effect on whatever ruling this may come out to uh, to conclude? Any effect it's going to have on the cases with the uh, eighteen nineteen uh, defendants from Fannie Willis? Is this you know something that can weigh in and have an effect on those cases? Do you think? Yes, it 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 has um, maybe some derivative effects. Um, the, the, on the, you know, that the, the machines are vulnerable. That's, that's the one, one thing that you have a judge's opinion to do. Uh, she, she said she, she would like to fix the ballot marking devices, but she's right. Constitutionally, judge Totenberg basically was respecting the constitution and separation of power. She's saying, I can't legislate, you know, I can't tell the legislature to, to, to outlaw the BMDs or fix the election systems, but she's going to come up with something that is basically an opinion that Georgia voters' rights were suppressed. So that opinion is out there. That'll help. That'll help the other cases in 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 the uh, the, civil, uh, the criminal RICO case as well. The second part that impacts it derivatively is this again this notion that that the coffee County people are mean and bad and all that. Even the Democrat is mean and bad for asking why only half the votes were, were counted. So that's, that's an impact, but it's just an editorial part of this uh, curling case that, that is going to get smacked down, but they're just, they're trying to basically implicate good people who were doing the right thing to make sure that voters votes were counted. Robert, thanks. We, I would, I could talk to you all day, but uh, we got four or five other guests we got to get on. So appreciate you coming on. We want to have you back. So thanks for coming on the Georgia Show. Thank you, Todd and Bill, for the opportunity. All right, take care. You bet. So uh, interesting take. You know, a lot of people were all excited that Totenberg, uh, you know, allegedly did the right thing. But as many times we found, there's agendas behind the actual ruling itself. The other thing to consider is there's so many moving parts. You've got these, you know, you get these 18, uh, 19 defendants, um, 18 plus uh, President Trump standing up against Fannie Willis. You've got cases all over the country. You've got, you know, uh, cases coming up in other venues. We're going to hear about one that's not quite a case yet, but it's a hearing to discuss concerns around the election processes. I mean, there's so many moving parts any movement is likely to have, um, in many people's assessment, effects on a number of things, some good, some neutral, some hope, you know, potentially bad. So um, it's one of, the, one of the advantages we have with, uh, with our next guest, uh, 
Uh, Kevin Monk was going to join us and talk to us about something coming up before the state election board, maybe more than one something. Um, yeah, Kevin's a friend of the show. Real quick, uh, we are focused on this show and on the on all of the CDM network on sustainable, not sustainability, self-reliance and uh, taking care of yourself and, and, and food safety, medical safety. And one of the issues we're very big on, and you'll hear more lately, is about food safety, but um, with Marjorie Wildcraft. But I, I want to run a quick ad by our cattleman out west in Nebraska, Glade Miller-Smith at familyfarmbeefbox.com. If you want some great beef, the holidays are coming. Why not get a box of fantastic beef to deliver direct to your door that will last you through the holidays? So go to familyfarmbeefbox.com and check out what Glade has to offer. You can get a subscription to a regular delivery or just try them out with a sample box. And Bill, could you run one of those ads, please? Sure, you bet. It's going to be a good day. Monday, we do have a little bit left available here. Check us out, familyfarmbeefbox.com. Thanks. Have a good day. So I'll issue a challenge. Check out one of the sample boxes and then send us an email of what you thought about the beef and does it compare to your local supermarket. But I tell you, it'll be a lot better taste-wise and uh, you'll really enjoy it as a family event. We are brought to you by the Georgia Record. As I mentioned, we need you to help spread the show. Sign up for our social media, our Rumble channel, CDM1. Sign up for our newsletters. Sign up for our podcast. The Georgia Record, the Georgia 24 show is on all podcast providers. Listen to it later. Listen to it on the car on, the car on the way to work or church or whatever. And uh, sign up for our no-ad subscriptions. We really need your help. We are the tip of the spear. I'm coming to you live from Israel. And I'll tell you that there's not many other people here. We are bringing you the direct news across the world, and we're going to continue to do that. We're committed to do that. We've done it for years, but that has cost us. We're deplatformed off all the major ad providers, and uh, we have to survive. So please sign up for our no ad subscription. It gives us a monthly, uh, you know, evergreen income, if you will, so we can plan and and work on developing the company and what we're offering. So it's something we can count on. It's 10 bucks a month and there's also an annual cheaper subscription. So check out our no ad subscription, top right of the Georgia record. It says sign up for no ads. With that, let's bring in our next guest, Bill. Okay, great. Kevin, you with us? I'm with you. Hey, Hi, thank Hi, you. Bill. How are you guys? Hi, hey, thank you. Thanks for making time to join us. It's it's interesting. We just finished up a, a dialogue with uh, Robert Bose, and he was talking about uh, uh, your work and others. And uh, so we're, you know, uh, synchronicity that we have you on today. So thank you for making time. Thanks for having me. We've we've got some stuff coming up before the state election board, and of course you've been, you know, right in the middle of a lot of the research for now going on years, looking at the. Um, uh, vulnerabilities and findings with regard to the Dominion system and processes in Georgia. So um, 
Why don't, I'm going to leave it open to you to, to figure out where you would like to start. I did get a document from you and I have that ready when you would like to have that brought up. So I'll, I'll flip it to you. Where, where should we start for today's discussion? Well, I, th I think you opened it um, right, Bill, by saying that the Dominion systems and the processes, because what's lacking in Georgia, it doesn't matter if we're hand counting beans, if the processes aren't there to reconcile and check the work of the count, then we have nothing. And it doesn't matter how you count it. Um, and that's the problem. There's literally no checks and balances, no reconciliation. There's no balancing the checkbook when it comes to Georgia elections at all. And um, whatever the Dominion system says the results are, are what's certified, and that is the result. <clears throat> and that's mainly been, been our focus. We've we haven't been looking for the shiny bullet. We have simply tried to rebuild the election results and get the receipts and rebuild them. And we've been unable to do that. And that has led us to many of our findings, one of which is the um, issue that the complaint known as SEB 2023-025, which is going to be before the board on December 19th. And it's been over a year. Uh, do you want me to bring that up uh, so you can talk a little bit more in depth to it? Sure. Okay. All right. So uh, in order for folks to be able to uh, potentially read this, um, I went ahead and put split the letter into two halves. So we have the top half and the bottom half, but uh, they may be able to read it off the uh, their screens as you're covering it. Yeah. So this letter is basically letting us know that um, the issue or this complaint is going to be um, um, decided by the board or disposed of or continued, basically. It's been under investigation for several months. Um, and in this particular letter, they say, yes, there is a finding of um, there's a problem. And next is how to address it. I suspect that the board will try to send it to the attorney general's office, which we're going to um, respectfully ask that an independent investigation be uh, undertaken because um, the AG's office is not going to investigate the Secretary of State. Um, Maybe you could remind folks what, what the complaint uh, covers that you brought forward. <clears throat> this complaint covers a number of things. It covers the original count, a deficiency in the original count, where there is no um, tabulator receipts or tabulators for some 20,000 ballots that were counted. Um, the manner in which they were added and the unlawful process that they used to certify the result. So most people don't realize this, but whenever a tabulator uh, that scans the ballots, the one that you insert your ballot into, um, at the end of the election period, they're supposed to close out that tabulator and it prints a receipt. And that receipt is the hard copy representation of the tabulation of that tabulator. So what's supposed to happen by law is they're supposed to do a reconciliation process. They're supposed to sign the, the tape and a certification saying it's true and correct to the best of their knowledge and witness it. Um, with two witnesses. That was not done for some 300,000 early voting ballots. There is literally no signature, nobody certified it, and they were, um, the entire 
reconcili reconciliation process is supposed to happen did not happen. Um, that's one of the problems. The second problem is for the recount, there were um, the official results that were turned in on December 2nd at midnight, which was the deadline. Fulton County's results only showed 510,000 votes uh, as compared to the original results, which was 527 or I'm sorry, 528,777. So there were about 17,000 votes short and their initial uh, results as submitted to the Secretary of State. Well, the Secretary of State told them to reconcile. So over the next 24 hours, they somehow found 17,000 ballots. And we have the emails and the, all of the support for it, but um, what they said happened and what did happen, two different things. So the recount has, um, coincidentally, 17,000 missing ballot images. So they have no substantiation for about the same number that was um, in the shortfall. In addition to that, we also document 3,125 ballots that were duplicated, meaning they were counted twice. 3,125 ballots became 6,250. And they did, they were counted, they're on the, included in the election results and they shouldn't be, they're fraudulent by any measure, whether it's a mistake or malfeasance. Yeah. And these were the are these the same ballots that I think David Cross had discussed in previous weeks where you can tell that they're duplicates because of um, in some cases extra markings on the ballot and the way that the uh, uh, the way that uh, the circles were filled in and that sort of thing or is this a different batch? It is the same batch, but that batch has now grown to over four thousand right at four thousand two hundred um, mm -hmm. since the complaint was filed. And the way it's found is yes, you can we can put them side by side, and you can see that they are the very same ballot, and uh, by the unique markings, the unique characteristics, also the voting pattern, um, the ballot code, all of the unique identifiers of a ballot. When you drill it down, and then you can manually, visually uh, verify that it's in fact the same ballot. Interesting. So a few months ago, the chairman of the state election board had resigned. Um, he actually, from what I gathered after the fact, he had resigned about three or four weeks before they made it public. And then they made it public the day before he was due to leave, which I found interesting. Um, William Duffy is, was, was the chairman. Do you, do you suspect that, that uh, the case, the complaint that you now have coming before the board will be I don't know, in some way affected by that, either more carefully considered or more quickly disposed of? Or do you have a sense? Um, I think that the same um, same culture or same, um, everyone is moving, rowing in the same direction or mostly. There mm -hmm. are, um, there's one Republican board member that has uh, been standing up for, or trying to stand up for, um, you know, for what's right and for what's yep. lawful. But the state election board has been effectively ineffective. They have done nothing. And yeah. we've had to push and push to get anywhere. You know, so certain things have been dismissed that are just astounding. There was a case, I'm sure you're, you're well aware of it, where apparently a, something like a piece of notebook paper was run through the 
uh, the system, including the tabulator, and the tabulator accepted it. And it's supposed to be sensitive enough to be able to tell whether the, the special paper that's designed for this was used. And it apparently accepted a piece of notebook paper or something very much like it. And yet the state election board apparently dismissed it. As I recall, it came out of uh, Spalding County, I think. You're correct. That um, prompted us to look at the um, tabulator logs. And we found that the um, the ballot uh, the ballot authentication system uses an infrared um, device that authenticates the ballot paper. Um, Georgia pre pays a premium for vote secure paper that has an identifier in it, um, but that feature was turned off across the state. Um, it's one of our complaints, one of the 10 that has not been heard. Um, Interesting. The other thing, it may not have reached you yet, but there is a proposal in Forsyth County by some of the elected officials. Uh, Lauren McDonald, I believe, is part of it. There may be, there may be a few more that are proposing a, um, you know, a hand count of the ballots following, I believe, the municipal elections. And um, it, it's quite interesting. Apparently, and, and I don't have it in writing in front of me, but my understanding is that uh, Secretary of State Raffensperger had uh, potentially agreed to that. However, one of the stipulations is, well, sure, you can do a hand count, but whatever the machines say is what, what we're going to go with, which is kind of like saying, well, you know, do whatever you want, but it, none of it's going to matter if it's if it disagrees, which is astounding. Um, doesn't I guess it probably doesn't surprise any of us, but I, I wanted to get your thoughts on that just briefly, if you have some. Um, I, I do. I think that the um, I think this is happening everywhere. I've done a lot of work in Arizona, and the same thing is happening there. Um, the the counties are being basically strong armed and into not doing their job. They're telling them that they have no power to, to check on, on, you know, to check the count or to reconcile. In fact, in Georgia, they didn't even want the, the uh, precincts to physically count the quantity of ballots, not count the votes, but not even the quantity of ballots. So that makes you completely uh, reliant upon the machines. And like I said, there's no, you know, it, it only makes sense to count the number of people coming in through the front door count the number of ballots and make sure they match. It's, you know, the most basic accounting you can do. And that is not done. Yeah. So that essentially what you're saying, Kevin, is that in Georgia, like in Florida, there's a massive election fraud cartel that is deep and wide that is stopping us from having real elections. It's organized crime, correct? It is. And I think counties, I mean, people, counties need to realize that their, their votes are being diluted, even, you know, the best run counties, their votes are being diluted by places like Fulton County, no matter how you yeah. slice it. So yeah. they need to also stand up against this. So what would your ask be for folks come the uh, 19th uh, meeting of the state election board? Will it uh, seems like it would be a good time to put uh, some eyeballs on the, uh, the remaining members of the state election board. Yeah. Yes, the state election board is well aware of the situation. Um, they're in denial and try to ignore us, but um, we're persistent. Um, yeah, that you are. 
All right. Well, we we uh, we appreciate uh, you making some time uh, today, Kevin. I'm, I I guarantee we're going to have lots to talk about in the coming weeks. As one, this complaint comes up for review, but also as we get deeper into what has to happen to make sure that uh, Georgia ends up with valid, accurate, um, uh, confirmable election results. So uh, thank you. And uh, boy, keep up the great if work. I may. Sure. Yeah. I'd also like to say um, the topic that Mr. Bose was discussing, you know, the curling case, it's important for people to understand that the curling case, the relief they're asking for is just to rid the state from the BMD, BMDs, not the tabulators, not the election system. So that is the only um, relief that's being sought. Yeah. On purpose. Yeah. Yeah. So do you do you think that means that the others are still capable of being um, reviewed and challenged before the election? Or do you think that takes that keeps them from being challenged or do you have a sense? I think there's no action that's um, currently um, alive that is that could possibly rid the state of the machines. But I think it's important, you know, even if the machine machines are no machines, it's important to demand that a reconciliation be um, undertaken at the polling location. Before it's very it, important. Not not at uh, in contrast to all the results go to the state and the state tells you how it came out. Yes. Or, or the county. And then or the it's, county, yeah. it's shuffled and, and discombobulated by that time. And there's mm-hmm. no accountability. Yep. Great point. Any any other thoughts before we before we go? That's all I've got. Thank you guys for covering all right. this. Thank, thank you, Kevin. Thank you, Kevin. Thanks care. for all the work. Appreciate you we'll guys. See, we'll see you soon. All right. All right. Okay. Back to you, Todd. Okay. So uh, we're going to bring on Chris Gleason in a second, but I want to just uh, make you aware of something. In China, there is an an epidemic, whatever you want to call it, of affecting children. It's a respiratory illness, and there are thousands of children in the hospital. That's concerning. In, in Congo, there's a monkeypox outbreak. All of this as we approach the 24 election. The World Health Organization is active in Gaza and elsewhere. That is concerning. So I'm in Israel, and I can tell you the people here did not expect what happened on October 7th. They were out in the desert partying. They were living their life uh, at their homes. And all of a sudden there's terrorists there and their life was completely ended or radically changed forever. So we have a saying on wall street, interest rates are low until they're not. Well, CVS will be open until it's not, or the power will be on until it's not. So you need to protect your family. One way to do that is with the wellness company emergency medical kit. I would go to twc.health forward slash CDM and check it out. This kit you see will will take care of one adult. So you may need more than one. If you use promo code CDM, you get a 10% discount. And actually, if you go to the ads on the georgiarecord.com or georgiarecord.com, you will see that there's bigger uh, Black Friday discounts and in promo codes there. So protect your family. Make sure if you get sick or there's a pandemic or um, there's a, a blackout and you can't travel or a 15 minute city type order where you can't travel, that you can protect your family. You, the head of the family, whoever you are, can protect your family medically. 
So twc.health forward slash CDM. Thank you, Bill. Let's bring in our next guest, Chris Gleason. Chris, thanks for thanks for patiently waiting in the background there, as usual. Yeah, don't worry. And um, wow, I talk to you every week, and you're just full of, <laughs> I guess, what's the right word? Uh, fire over getting fair elections in the United States. And you had a case this week. Talk to us about judicial corruption. Ah, judicial corruption. Well, we're seeing it everywhere. We're seeing it in New York. We're seeing it in the federal courts. We're seeing it in Florida. Uh, we're seeing it in Arizona. We're seeing it in Georgia. We're seeing it everywhere. And, you know, I had an, I had an interesting conversation yesterday with a, with a friend. And he was uh, pushing, he's trying to push to get grand juries to open up investigations. And so I said to him, I'm like, well, that's all good and fine. But who's going to preside over the case? And he's like, well, what do you mean? I'm like, well, who's going to preside over the case once you have your uh, indictment? He's like, a judge? Like, exactly, a judge. Who's the judge going to be? And in Florida, the judges are elected. The circuit court judges are elected. The, The judge in my case, in Pinellas County, she was elected. And... You know, uh, what we've seen with uh, the Christine Scott's ca- Scott versus Ron DeSantis case and um, Darlene Swaffer uh, versus um, uh, the canvassing board case here in Florida, these judges, they're part of the RICO enterprise, you know? Um, and, and that's really highly problematic, um, highly, highly problematic. So what we're seeing here are judges who are presiding over cases, literally, that they have a financial interest in. That's a that's a violation of the judicial canons. So, you know, judges have rules that they have to live by, too. But apparently, here in Pinellas County, the judges don't need to do that. So in my case... Our uh, illustrious judge, Judge uh, Patricia um, <laughs> Muscarella, she uh, she ruled uh, against us based on uh, what we presented, new facts, new evidence, showing and proving that there were over 37,000 Pinellas County residents who were totally disenfranchised. They... They had their ballots illegally adjudicated as being 100% blank. And then the supervisor of elections lied about it and altered the documents. But the judge, she's like, well, when presented with this by the attorney, by my attorney, she was completely unconcerned with the 37,000 voters who had their right to cast the ballot interfered with. And you're trying to get public documents, which are supposed to be public, so you can prove this. This is what I you're mean, we, to do. Yeah. we already proved it. I'm yeah. just trying to get the public documents because I want to. I want to be able to show everybody how bad this is. Mm-hmm. And because I've already seen the the logs from other places, so I know exactly. You know, I saw the audit logs that Kevin's talking about. You know, I, I've mm-hmm. I've seen them. I've seen the audit logs in Texas. I've seen the audit logs in Illinois. 
And we actually did get some auto logs here in Florida. And we know beyond any shadow of a doubt that they're altering them. They're altering logs. They're altering election results. And so ultimately, you know, in our case, um, the judge ruled that um, there was new, no new facts and evidence. Unbelievably, even after we presented it to her. And she's just, no, you, you waited too long. I'm like, we waited too long. I go, the only reason why it took so long is because of you. <laughs> so, you know, it's kind of comical, but, you know, in, in this case, the judge violated, um, you know, the judicial canon one where the judge sh shall, shall, it's an important word, shall uphold the integrity and independence of the judiciary. She didn't do that. Uh, canon two. A judge shall avoid impropriety at the at the appearance of impropriety in all the judge's activities. Well, that that's a there's a violation there too. Let's see. Uh, the judge shall perform the duties of judicial office impartially and diligently. The judge had her mind made up because she's part of the RICO scheme. So, I mean, this is what we're dealing with, and it's not just here. You know, we're seeing this in Maryland. You know, mm -hmm. and, I mean, in Maryland, we've been we've been pushing really hard for the um, uh, the system logs and the audit logs. And they are the Maryland Board of Elections and all of the county board of elections. Despite everybody telling me, oh, no, Chris, there's some good people there. And I'm like, OK, well, if they're good people there, then they'll comply with the law and give us the audit logs. But oddly, they won't. Mm. So. Um, one of the attorneys from Montgomery County got really, uh, he got some sand in his panties this week, and he uh, he threatened to um, uh, take some form of legal action against me. And I said, oh, really? Well, that's interesting. I go, let me remind you, counselor, that if you're an attorney, you, are rule, you have rules that you have to abide by, too. And some of those are bar rules. Mm -hmm. And I, the last time I checked, an attorney, if he's aware that his client is committing fraud, he has to tell the court about it. Because if he doesn't, he's complicit. I go, can you, do you care to discuss that with us here in this email chain? <laughs> he's like, I'm handing this over to the state. I'm like, of uh -huh. course you are. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> so the state gets involved. And the, so I'm talking with the, the assistant attorney general for the state. And I'm saying, hey, look, it, I would like you to open up. I, I'm filing a complaint here. I want you to open up an investigation into this. And here's what's going on. They've altered election records. They're violating Maryland public records laws. And the reason why they're doing it is because they're trying to cover up the evidence of fraud, election fraud. And the, it was hilarious because in most states, the attorney general will put out a, a public records pamphlet, right? And they do one here in Florida. They do one in Maryland. They do one in Georgia, you know. So I, I, I take excerpts from the manual and I include it in the email. I'm like, see, here you go. They're saying that they're not 
you know, not required to do this. Well, they actually are because it's a computerized public record. So, you know, it, it, it's funny. And the Maryland assistant attorney general, right, says, I'm not concerned with that. I, I need to represent my client, that my client's the Maryland Board of Elections. And I'm like, hmm. So let me ask you a question, Mr. Attorney General, Assistant Attorney General. How does the state legally certify elections conducted on machines with void certifications in their entirety? How does that happen? Can you give me your professional legal opinion on that? <laughs> he, he didn't want to. He said he couldn't violate, um, you'd be violating, uh, oh, you'd be violating some ethics rule. Um, I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> Gosh, Chris, you've been reporting on, you know, first the RICO, the nature of the RICO, the structure, the flow, now the people, now the judiciary. I mean, this feels like this is becoming just a, almost like a dike, you know, that eventually something's going to crack and that dike's going to break. Does it feel like that to you? It just feels like... It, something must give at some point, given the volume of things you've uncovered. We're, well, they, they told you that, that you were scaring people this week, right? Yeah, yeah. I was told that I was <laughs> You're scaring, scaring the bad guys for one. <laughs> I, I start laughing. I'm like, oh, so um, which would you prefer? Free and fair elections or terse statements in emails? Mean tweets. Mean tweets. <laughs> mean tweets. <laughs> you want mean tweets or fair elections? Uh, I tell you what, let's play a game. We'll see how much more you will prefer mean tweets to a two-way shooting range when we have a civil war. I, you know, but you know, we don't want to get there. So just take the mean tweets and hold these people accountable. That's all we got to do. And it, yes, it is going to break. It's inevitable. They cannot keep this back because all government power is derived from the consent of the governed. They don't have our consent. We know the machines are rigged. Pennsylvania proved it. Pennsylvania proved it. They said it was a clerical error. No, they, <laughs> they ejected malicious code to flip votes on the machines. Yeah, and people that. watched it happen. Yeah. <laughs> so we caught them. It's just a matter of time. We're going to get them. I'm confident that. Chris, thanks. We have the oh, packed show today. Go ahead. Before, before you go, though, um, how, do, how do people get more information on you? And how do they, if they, if they want to just keep up with you or in some way help, how do they do that? Sure. So go to thejusticesociety.com, thejusticesociety.com. And you can uh, always follow me on Twitter. I'm ruthlessly trolling election officials there at immutable, at immutable Christ uh, on uh, on Twitter, and I have a great Substack, uh, Immutable Truth Elections at Substack. So, That's great. Thanks a yeah, lot. If you want, guys. if you want to be the tip of the spear, throw 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 twenty at the Justice Society. That would Justice be Society. very very welcome. We're working yes. on some cutting edge. Um, lawfare and ai for good so that's great thank you chris thank you guys see you soon huh so quickly before we get to our next guest um financial markets are crazy you need to know what to do and how to protect your money 
you can trust our favorite advisor and we're going to run a quick ad by him. Go ahead, Phil. This is a special report. Knowing how to invest your money is harder than ever before. Dealing with stock market volatility, record debt, and terrorist attacks requires new thinking. At U.S. Asset Management, we can help you see the world more clearly so that you can move beyond the chaos and invest with confidence. Call us, visit us online, or drop by our office. U.S. Asset Management, helping you make better decisions with your money. So, Bill, I uh, I was... I got into gardening and uh, I was trying to learn how to do it better. And I started watching uh, Marjorie Wildcraft and I learned a lot and I thought we need to bring her on the show because we're all about sustainability. So let's bring in Marjorie. That's great. <laughs> Hi guys. How are you doing? Hey, thanks for joining us, Marjorie. You know, I watched a lot of your videos. It was the series you did out in Colorado, I think with your colleague. And I was amazed at how much you could grow in a very small space and but talk to us more from a macro level about food uh, security and the in what you're doing so people can get a an idea of what you're yeah. about. Thank you. Yeah. So um, it has it has never been more important than than now to start growing your own food. And I want to you know we know we all live with all sorts of narratives and corruption, and I want to dispel one of the narratives that has been pretty much driven to us through the media and through everything throughout all of our lives. And that is that growing food is demeaning. It's only something that migrant workers do and you only, you have to be desperate and it's hard. And I just want to dispel all of that, that it's actually a ton of fun. Uh, the ultra wealthy do it. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's amazingly productive and it will save your life. Uh, we are facing I, gosh, there's why the food system is about to collapse. <laughs> it's like you got to start doing this right away. Yeah, I think I think the most obvious one that everybody can resonate to, and I'll bring up some others also, is just inflation and hyperinflation and currency collapse. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah, I don't think people realize that food could get a lot more expensive very quickly with hyperinflation, mm -hmm. which is coming. Yeah. Well, there's that, and there's also, you know, what is the food that you're eating? Is it is it got um, things in it? Has it been treated in ways that you would prefer that it not be treated? And you may not be able to tell. Um, <laughs> no, you can't actually. And I'm going to use the F word here: um, <laughs> famine. Uh, so there are many, many people who understand that a famine is being orchestrated. And I said, you know what? We've been in a famine for decades, because the existing food supply is toxic and inedible. Now, it used to be you could go around the perimeter, right? And you could be a perimeter shopper and maybe get some nutrition there. That's that's all completely gone with the GMOs and the chemicals. And the, uh, just just one example, uh, Joel Salatin and I, Americans farmer, he's a wonderful guy. We, we have a call once a, once a year to catch up. And he was saying, you know, Marjorie, now they've, uh, they, everybody's kind of, the industry has kind of clued in that nobody wants meat with antibiotics. They want antibiotic free meat. So what they've done is they've changed. They don't use, they don't call it antibiotics. Now they call them vaccines and there's no regulations around vaccines. So they're still shooting those cows up with all kinds of stuff. It just, you know, they, they like, yeah. they just, it's just always like that. You just can't trust the food supply at all. So um, you're absolutely right. 
So tell us about your grow network. Yeah. So, oh my gosh. So I'm sorry. I got this kitten. I should have thrown her out one before I started. I had mice in the other house I was living in and then I got kittens and now I don't have mice, but now I have kittens. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's what yeah. you get when you feed your cat. Well, <laughs> yeah, right. you feed any cat. Right. So yeah. um, if I might go back, I'm, I'm not at all, yeah. you know, I never wanted to grow food. Um, in fact, my first career is electrical engineering. And then I was uh, I was an expat in Hong Kong, and I was taking a um, um, a workshop. I was always interested in money. I, my my family was pretty for, poor, you know. So mm -hmm. a lot of times that motivates you to do something. And uh, they said, "Hey, you ought to take this class on money by this guy named Robert." And I'm like, "Do we know anything about him?" And they were like, "No, we've never heard of him, but he sounds interesting." I thought, "Well, whatever, I'll go." So. Um, you know, I go and this guy just blows my mind with what he's talking about, about money and how it works. And ultimately, it inspires me to leave engineering and to create a very, very successful real estate investment business and uh, moved to Austin, Texas. And it was so successful. In fact, Robert came back to me and said, hey, could you be a uh, the lead testimonial on my webinar? Uh, and it was for his rich dad, poor dad products. Oh, wow. uh, so um, Robert Kiyosaki, <laughs> but I, so things were going really well. I was making a lot of money and uh, mostly passive. Um, I love volunteering in the community and I was on this project I thought would be a no brainer. I had no idea that my life was going to completely turn upside down because it was so innocent. It was, we were going to try and get locally grown organic food into local uh, elementary school. Hmm. Um, slam dunk, right? There's tons of federal and state grant money and teachers wanted it, students wanted it. Reams and reams of study. I mean, stacks up as high as you want to go that show that kids that eat better nutrition have higher IQs and they score better on intelligence tests and they have less behavioral problems. I mean, you know, you feed kids well and, and, and you get a better quality human being. So everybody wanted it, and uh, it wasn't until, I'll never forget, it was the third meeting we were in the Red Rock Community Center, one of those echoey old buildings, you know, has <laughs> been around for a couple hundred years, those rickety folding chairs. And we're, we're going to put pen to paper on who is going to provide the, the food for this. And uh, that's when the whole thing fell apart, because we realized there were not enough farmers in all of Bastrop County to provide even part of the vegetables for one small rural elementary school. And, um, you know, we're in Texas. This is the county right over from Austin. Very progressive area, you would think. Um, and Texas has some big counties. There weren't enough farmers mm -hmm. in three counties. Mm -hmm. And uh, I physically could not stop shaking because I knew that um, there's only four days worth of food in the grocery stores. Everything is trucked in 1,500 miles. And I, was at that time, was surrounded by 20 million Texans who are all armed to the teeth. And I'm thinking, this, mm -hmm. this is not going to end well. <laughs> this is not, you know, mm -hmm. you know. And uh, I, I really, I could not stop shaking for hours. I, like, I, I had trouble, you know, closing the doors and turning off the lights and shutting the building down and everything. And, uh, and then for years afterward, I had, had panic attacks and, uh, and uh, I just kept thinking, you know, we've got to learn how to grow food. Mm -hmm. uh, and I had two small kids and uh, I lost um, some friends and, and uh, started noticing we weren't being invited as much to family gatherings because 
Marjorie's too weird. Like, we're now, this America, Marjorie, we are never going to have supply chain problems and never going to be empty shelves on the grocery stores. You're just like, you just got to get, you know, you, you got to get real woman. Mm -hmm. And um, I just said, it well, happens. Yeah. I'm like, I know what I know. And I'm, I've been, I've been given this direction basically. And so, you know, I sold the whole real estate business and everything. And I just started figuring out how to grow food and teaching other people how to grow food. And we created a video called the uh, backyard food production, <laughs> very sexy title, isn't it? Um, <laughs> and um, it had almost immediately like 500,000 illegal downloads, <laughs> which this is like in 2009, right? So this yeah. is like, 500 that like huge it goes viral and uh you don't have a business with just one product and and um anyway i kept producing more things treating infections without antibiotics and just looking underneath the curtain of all the things that need to be remedied and um and fortunately there are just an incredible amount of solutions that are available to us for all kinds of things and you know the real saving grace is you can just use your hands in the earth and water and sunlight and you can produce food. You don't need a military industrial governmental think tank complex. <laughs> you can do it. <laughs> and you, you know, don't what, need thousands of acres to do it. You can do it in a relatively nominal space, especially to start. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Through the years, um, trying to get people to grow food is a very, very niche business, right? It's not, you know, it's definitely not like weight loss or it's getting, it's getting bigger though. Mm. It is growing now, like unbelievably, but for, you mm. know, the 15, 20 years that I've been working at this, it's, and uh, I, the thing that I've realized is people are not going to respond until there's a crisis by and mm -hmm. large. And so how do you address that? So I just spent, like what is the fastest and the easiest ways that your average American, well, your average person who has no experience, maybe they're older, they're out of shape. What can you do to get them very quickly producing a lot of calories and a lot of nutrition in a very small space in a very short time? And mm -hmm. so, yeah, that's, uh, that's what I've been uh, drilling down on and focusing on is to, um, you know, we're, we're, for those of you who can see, you know we're in it right now, and I think it's yeah. only going to be a matter of months before I other agree. people really see So I, I watched yeah. one of your videos I found fascinating. It was about how to produce everything you need yourself, and you said a good garden, rabbits, and chickens. I, mm -hmm. I found that fascinating and it's because it's a lot of protein that you can harvest pretty regularly, right? You know, a lot of people think, oh, backyard food production is all about gardens. And actually, yeah, gardens important, but animal products, uh, there are not going to be any vegans when we get through with this. I promise you that. But animal products by far yield way more calories, way more nutrition uh, in a smaller space and with much less time than, mm -hmm. um, than plants. Now, you got to have some diversity. Yes. We just don't know what's coming and things do fail and break and whatever. The raccoon got all your chicken. You know, I mean, things yeah. happen, right? So, um, whoops. Oh, got me, guys. Apologize for that. I have this thing on my phone set that every hour it rings that chime and I stop for a second and I go, this moment is wonderful. <laughs> and I just stop and, and, and whoever's with me, I'm like, hey, this moment is wonderful, isn't it? And they go, yeah. 
that's right. That's a great <laughs> idea. I'm going to, and you, once you program your phone, it's like going to be there forever. And you know, you just stop. And it's been so incredible to be able to train myself to be able to stop and shift into the state of wonder and wonderfulness, no matter what's going on in my world. Mm -hmm. uh, highly recommend that practice. So <laughs> if you're with me and when that bell goes off again, you can all, st we'll all stop and laugh. We'll look forward to it. It's great. <laughs> so um, tell us about your business. Uh, you're yeah. very successful at what you do. So, so yeah, as I said, I made that first video and um, mm -hmm. then um, just over the years have been gathering a following of people who also live this lifestyle and um, for fun. I was homeschooling my daughter and we used to go to these primitive skills gatherings where people practice the common knowledge that would have been around in the Paleolithic era, <laughs> which, you know, mm -hmm. you don't have to go back that far, but it's super fun and super empowering. It's a great thing to do homeschooling and just have managed to, uh, sometimes it was just like with my phone camera. Sometimes I had a professional videographer, but we were just capturing all kinds of really, really, really uh, useful skills. Um, mm -hmm. When there's a dead animal on the side of the road, how do you judge the edibility of that meat? A lot of that meat is going to be edible, you know? Um, and, and how do you do that? How do you process uh, a small animal? Um, you know, what? how do you plant a fruit tree? Uh, how do you um, treat infections without antibiotics? You know, in the Greek and Roman times, we've seen all those movies, and they're all like bashing each other and swords and stuff. And, you know, a bunch of them got wounded, and, and some of them definitely died of their wounds. But by and large, most of them were healed up. And it turns out that the techniques for healing wounds and treating in infections like that are still effective today, even though our antibiotics are dwindling in their potency every minute. Um, mm. So um, one of the stories people love is I was out getting some a tomato out of my garden one time and I got bit by a copperhead snake. It was a mm. potent potentially fatal bite. It's a um, serious thing, yeah. It's a serious thing. And, and we treated it all successfully at home. And, uh, you wow. know, just using medicines from uh, the backyard that I had planted. And um, yeah, so uh, you, those kind of skills, you know, how do you do it? And, uh, and how do you teach other people how to do it very simply and uh, uh, directly? Actually, I think, oh, my publisher would be, oh, on it, where did I put it? supposed to have my book here and, and tell you all about my book, my publisher would be like, Marjorie, you're bad. <laughs> you got to get what's the book out. What's the name of the book? Tell us about the it, book. It's called The Grow System. And um, it's um, the essential guide to modern self-sufficiency from growing food to making medicine. And since I know you guys are businessmen and would appre you'd appreciate this story, uh, I uh, had a literary agent, one of them really, really kick-ass literary agents up in New York, like right around Times Square or something. I was actually really glad that the COVID started because I, when I was going to go there, I was going to have to go there. And these women, like they're, they're this company of literary, like I'm sure that their outfits in their team photo probably cost more than I make in a year, right? <laughs> I was like, what am I going to, oh my God, am I going to have to go to New York? Fortunately, we didn't. We did it all via zoom and whatever but they um 18 publishers bid on that book and wow. uh, yeah and of course penguin wonder house won because they're the largest 
English yeah. language publisher and they win anything that they want. Um, yeah. And, and literary agents are like the most critical people on the planet. <laughs> and true. I know them. Yeah. Five, five of these editors said after reading, you know, what, what I'd written for the book and the whole, the whole project, they were like, this is going to be a New York times bestseller. So, uh, I thought, wow, that's, that's pretty cool. So <laughs> the, cause there's, the book is an easy read, but yet there's layers and depth to it and a lot of practical DIY information through storytelling. So it's a real fun way to, uh, to learn some really, really essential skills. So how can people learn about what you're doing and get involved themselves? Well, what I'd really recommend is I've created this free webinar and I think we've got it at cdmfood.com mm -hmm. and I condense like 20 years of looking at this problem. If you have no experience, you're older and you're out of shape, how do you get started immediately growing food and producing? I mean, within a couple of weeks, how can you be producing real significant calories? And I condense it into that three part system in the webinar uh, and it's free. And then, mm -hmm. um, you know, about an hour, the Q and A, which happens afterwards, about a half an hour, and, and that's like really the popular part. And and you know, honestly, you know, uh, we'll make it. We'll make you an offer for a book and a training bundle package, um, and it just it, it's just really designed for people when you're living in hard times and you're living frugally. So it's very, very, very uh, low priced. And um, the idea is really to. The more people that can grow food and that have these skills, the easier this whole transition is going to be. And I promise you, we are headed into times like we are headed in. <laughs> most people have no idea what we're headed into, but it's yeah. going to be rough. Yeah. yeah. Just, th just think about New York City with no food or power for three or four days. And yeah. there you go. Oh my God. Yeah. Marjorie, you mentioned your book. And by the magic of uh, the Internet, we're able to Yay! bring it up. Oh. Thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> the big penguin. So, thanks you. Yes. Yeah, so that's the growth system. Yeah. You mentioned that's available most places that books are sold. Is that right? Yeah. They did a real good job with distribution. So, you know, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Target, Walmart, everywhere. Um, they did a real good job with that. Um, and it's, it's chapter nine is I, everybody loves the snake bite story so much that we, we made chapter nine the the snake bite story. And, and about that story before we, before it went into the book, I used to have it as a little thin volume and um, happened to be involved with a whole bunch of elementary school teachers at one point in time. And I, I gave them a bunch of the, that snake bite storybook. Mm -hmm. uh, and they said year after year after year, like they said, could, after a couple of years, they said, could we have some more? Because every <laughs> they, they love it. And I think the reason why is my daughter, Kimber, who was a young girl at the time, was pretty significant in helping me uh, through that, because uh, you have trained had had trained her. Or, or oh yeah, yeah. Taught her. She yeah. yeah, she knows her wild and her herb medicines and and uh, how to bush her bunny, <laughs> how to collect <laughs> eggs. You know, she knows. Yeah, and then oh my god, making buckskin clothing and every you know, like I said, we for fun just for homeschooling, we would do these primitive skills gatherings, and uh, it was just. We'd be, we'd be cave women for a week. It was so fun. <laughs> yeah. So the, the website is cdmfood.com, right? Yep. There you go. And you can sign up. And at this point, we're really, you know, I, we've, I've got to stay in business and, and uh, mm -hmm. you know, money makes the world go. But honestly, this really, this business has always been a, a service first. Right. Uh, 
and this really is a, you know, I know things, things are going to get hard and the early adopters have the advantage, right? Sure. And we still, yeah. you, you know, that wave is, you can see it, it's behind us. It's a tsunami. It's going to be here real soon. But even yeah. now you have an advantage. There's things that you can get in place uh, that you can do immediately, you, you know, try to buy a laying hen in, in, in May of 2020, right? You weren't going to get any <laughs> chickens came. You know? Remember there was those funny memes where there's this laying hen <laughs> sitting on a clutch of eggs and they're going, she has a higher net worth than Elon Musk. Definitely. It's, it's yeah. going to be, uh, things are going to be very important. You know, I, I recently went out cause I got inspired by you and I bought an old uh, wine barrel just for water collection, you know, to put nice. in the house, just things like that. You don't think about, right. I mean, you got to start thinking. So what else, Marjorie, where can people besides cdmfood.com is where to go. What else do people need to know? That's, that's the best thing. And that, that'll get you started and we'll get you introduced. Uh, growing food really is the foundation of everything. Um, you know, tons and tons of friends of mine who are herbalists. And, you know, if you aren't, if you don't have a clean diet, you know, herbs are not necessarily going to help you, right? Mm -hmm. um, you really have to have food. Also, food is the foundation of everything. Um, I've done tons and tons of interviews. I, I traveled to Cuba to visit the survivors of the their collapse there. Uh, even years ago, when there were still some survivors from World War II, from France, mm -hmm. uh, some French uh, neighbors I had and uh, Fierro Gerger from um, Argentina and tons and tons of historical like what happens in collapse and yeah you should definitely beef up your security um, I'm pretty good with a rifle and a handgun and I train in jiu-jitsu mm -hmm. uh, and yeah you should you if you are dependent on a, on a pharmaceutical medicine you need to figure that out right now how to get off of it. And there are, I promise you, there are substitutes and other ways that you can do it. That'll be more beneficial for you. Mm -hmm. um, but the most thing that every single survivor talked about way more um, than the, than the, than the bullets or the band-aids was the beans. Like being mm -hmm. hungry was the overriding overarching issue uh, that addressed mm -hmm. everybody. And so, and, and, and again, as I said, it's, it's something that you can do. It's, it's something yeah. that you have control over and it's, it's really not that hard. It's, it's pretty easy <laughs> and it's a lot of fun. Like now, even if the end of the world, as we know, it isn't happening, I would always be growing my own food. I, you know, and it, sure. believe me, I was the epitome of somebody who didn't want anything to do with that. <laughs> before. Well, we, we found out you can't trust the medical system. You can't trust the food supply. So uh, you got to really be your own doctor and your own food producer to some level. Yeah, So you sure do. I, I think of the GROW Network as, as like uh, the home front. Mm -hmm. um, so um, many, many, there, there's quite a few thousand of people that have joined in over the years that are living this lifestyle. And they've been living this lifestyle for, for years or decades. And they're doing it totally because they're choosing it some of them because they had medical issues that couldn't be solved and then they figured it out through food. Um, and others just because they like the lifestyle so much. We have a forums area, which is you know mm -hmm. free and open to anybody. And you can almost any question you can think of, you'll get a response within an hour or probably several responses. And there are people all over the world, Canadians and Ireland, Australians, 
you know, there's a lot in the U.S. too. Uh, for example, last night, uh, my daughter was like, Mom, I got a kidney infection. And like I go over to the TGN forums and there's, boom, a whole thread on, on urinary tract and kidney infections. And I'm like, Kimber, Ines said this, and she's had, she's been dealing with this for 13 years, and this is what works. And, you know, so mm. we got her that stuff delivered. And I'm going to check in with her today and see how she's doing. But almost anything you can think of, you know, what is that bug? Or take a picture of it and put it up and we'll get an answer. So really, really great. So happy and so proud for the community there. Um, we also have a blog, of course, with all mm -hmm. kinds of great uh, things. And then I, I do videos pretty regularly with all kinds of tips and techniques. And we're, we're developing a lot of other, um, you know, uh, lead content creators. Sarah Peterson's doing great work on how to build with recycled materials. Um, mm -hmm. And Ruth just got this thing on how to distill your own alcohol. <laughs> there you, go. <laughs> you know, yeah, how to grow cannabis. I mean, because those are the trade, those are the trade items. They're high end sure. trade items. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> so, yeah. So the website is cdmfood.com. Please go there and support us and support Marjorie. And uh, Marjorie, we're going to make this a series and have you back. So thanks for coming on. We've got one more guest we got to get to, but I appreciate it. Appreciate you too. You guys have a great Sunday. Take care, Marjorie. That's great. That's that, that's fascinating stuff, you know. And it, yeah, and it is. It's it's not it's not out of reach of almost anybody, you know. Just with exactly. a little little bit of land, a little bit of knowledge, and you start somewhere, and it's like anything else. It's a learning curve, well, and you get better. She has, you know, for people that just have a an apartment balcony or uh, you know a sunny room or whatever that can grow food. And a lot of it in a very small area, like you said. Yep. So cdmfood.com is the website. So please go there. We are um, going to move on to our next guest. I sat down with Kurt Brackob, who's our publisher, our JV partner, joint venture with History of Books. And uh, we just report or we just published in our new imprint, Vindicta Publishing, our, our joint imprint with Histria, CDM and Histria. We just published my book on the Iranian resistance. And guess what? PayPal, on the busiest day of the year, on Black Friday, canceled History of Books' account and prevented him from bringing in lots of revenue and now has frozen the money. So I sat down with Kurt to talk about that, about the business, about books in general, and uh, I think you'll enjoy it. It's about 10 minutes. So we're here with our good business partner, Kurt Brackov, who runs History of Books. We have a joint venture with Histria called Vindicta Publishing, where we have novels in the pipeline and out in press now. Welcome, Kurt. Hi, thank you for having me, Todd. So I want people to know about History of Books. Tell us about that first, and then we'll talk about what PayPal is doing. Okay, well, History of Books is an independent publishing house that was established back in 2017. And we publish a, a wide variety of books, um, really something for everybody. Uh, children's books, uh, novels, fiction, uh, nonfiction, academic books, you know, serious history, uh, things like that. And of course, as you mentioned, um, we also have the, the joint venture with CDM of Vindicta Publishing, which is dedicated to books on politics, history, international affairs, and, and really try to, to publish things that you know, the corporate media is not going to to publish, um, you know, serious topics like your recent book, for example, Paying the Price, about the untold story of the Iranian resistance. Um, you know, there's a lot of uh, opposition to that that book, even seeing the light of day, of course. So, right. 
yeah, so we really wanted, you know, as a publishing house, you know, our goal was to, to support free speech and liberty and, and um, you know, those are, those are our objectives and, and that's really what we're up against because, you know, there are so, so few in, in the publishing industry really that, that pay attention to those, you know, great American ideals. That are not afraid to tell the truth and, and let other people tell the truth. And uh, we have a book list that we, a bestsellers list that we jointly produce on the Manhattan.press called the Manhattan Bestsellers. And that's not censored at all, right, Kurt? It's no, that's, yeah. that's completely uh, uncensored. And, you know, you'll find books of all persuasions on there. Yeah. It's certainly not, uh, you know, t tailored to, you know, to promote anyone's agenda. It's, it's just sales. And uh, there's a lot of liberal books on there, too, just the ones that sell the yes. most. But but speaking of censorship, let's uh, in the MEK book which you mentioned on the Iranian resistance we just released, and mm -hmm. they've been there's been some issues with book signings being canceled, with yes. um, reviews not being posted on Amazon. But mm -hmm. you had something really significant and, and devious happen to you recently. Tell us about that. Yes, um, yesterday, you know, Black Friday weekend, biggest shopping day, you know, weekend of the year really, and everything. Uh, all of a sudden, at uh, in the morning. Um, our operations manager alerted us that PayPal had shut down all of our services and frozen wow. our accounts. And this is totally out of the blue, <laughs> busiest shopping day of the year. Uh, you know, we were just in, in total shock because, you know, we had been using PayPal as our service, you know, our, our processor, our credit card processor, you know, since the website was first established, you know, years ago. Uh, we've always had an account in excellent standing. We've never had any issues of any kind whatsoever. And then all of a sudden out of the blue, we're hit with this, you know, freezing our accounts, which made it impossible for customers to order our books online. And, you know, we're spending money, you know, advertising and promoting our big black Friday sale, you know, which runs through Monday, um, where, you know, people can get 30% off on any, any of the books, even off the already reduced, um, sale prices on the website. And all of a sudden, you know, we're getting emails from customers, you know, they can't order the books, what's going on. And, you know, and it, it took, you know, a half a day of battling with PayPal um, to get our account established. And when we when we talked to them, of course, they had no good explanation for it. You know, right. um, none whatsoever. No, just yeah, it's one of those um, you can see the the bad guys laughing as they did it on the busiest day of the year. I mean, there wasn't any coordination for that at all. Right, Kurt? No, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's just, you know, it's clearly with intention. I mean, who would, yeah. who would even think to do something like that on, on the busiest day of the year? You've had six years if you wanted to ask questions about our, our account for some reason, but then in the end, you know, there was nothing there and they, they had to back down of course, but it was just, you know, it's, it's, really in a way you know we'd have to look at it as, as really like intentional sabotage i mean trying well to... it, it, you could make a criminal case of it i mean they wanted to hurt your revenue obviously on the busiest day of the year a, a lot of retailers get a lot of their huge significant percentage of their re revenue for the whole year on that day right no absolutely i mean yeah. it, it cost us you know most of most of the day until the evening before we finally got the the service restored but it was it was not a, a good thing. And plus, they're, you know, they're blocking our funds that we have in our account there and everything. But, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, of course, lesson learned, never leave any money in your PayPal account. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
you know, because they, they have you at, at their mercy. They can just out of the blue decide to do whatever they want to do. And you really have no recourse. I mean, other than, you know, fighting with them. But, you know, they're a corporate giant and, you know, allegedly, you know, trying to help small businesses. But clearly they're not. Um, yeah. Clearly, they are out for control, really, so they can shut down any business they want at any time. So, I mean, obviously, we're we're seriously looking at other options at this point because it's it's just not acceptable. Yeah, CDM was deplatformed off PayPal, Stripe, Pay, Patreon, all of them back several years ago. So, I feel your pain, but other small businesses need to be aware that there are alter alternatives out there, and you need to find them and uh, get off PayPal if you're. If you're on it, because at the wrong time, they will do the same to you if they don't like your politics. No, absolutely. This is a this is a good lesson for for people to learn. Um, you know, don't to avoid getting yourself in this type of situation because you may think what you're doing is perfectly good and normal, and it is perfectly good and normal. But they have some people out there that uh, have other ideas, and when they have the power, they will use the power. That's that's this the is problem. True. In that's the one thing we've learned. Yeah. Yeah, if you give them the power, it's just like the government. You give it the power to do something, it's going to use that power in you know any way it can. So tell us about a few of the books you have in the pipeline that are oh. interesting and exciting to you. We have we have quite a quite a few uh, books coming out. We have mm -hmm. some some really good um, some good children's titles coming out. Uh, we have a whole series that you know teaches kids uh, like human anatomy the body, the heart, the brain, uh, things like that, which is, which is, makes for an excellent, excellent Christmas gift. And in, in our opinion, uh, something that it's really useful. We have, uh, we have a really excellent book coming out in, in the spring, uh, by Christine Dolan, um, called shattered innocence, which is about the whole problem of human trafficking in the world that's going on. That, that book's going to really send shockwaves. Um, I think across, um, mm -hmm you know, across the country when people start to. And that's available pre-order now, right? Yes, they can pre-order it right now on the website as well as get the, you know, get the discount on the pre-order if you order mm -hmm. during our during our Black Friday sale now. Mm -hmm. um, but that's a really, um, that's going to be a really powerful book uh, coming out. Of course, we have the, the you know, the new, the new releases of your novels, of course, your Connor Murray series uh, will be coming out in the spring um, along with Delta other one and yeah. I, I you have another one that you're thinking about uh yeah i'm working on the uh fifth novel uh called deep which we will um talk about in this in the new year but mm -hmm. uh, thank you for re republishing those and i uh, really appreciate that um they've sold a lot but i think they're very prescient and need to be out there again and there are a lot of people that haven't read them so thank you for that and we, we have quite a few, you know, novels, historical fiction books that are out mm -hmm. there as well that are coming out that are really exciting, um, you know, set in, in, you know, ancient times as well as, as modern times. There's really something for everybody on our on our website. And then there's a lot of serious history books. I mean, mm -hmm. things about, um, for example, we have our my, my own book uh, just came out on uh, called Dracul, which is about. Uh, the original Dracula, really, the, mm. the founder of the dynasty, uh, which no one has ever written on him before. Everybody knows the story of Vlad the Impaler, of course, but but his father is really the one who established the dynasty and where the name comes from. And um, this book, which you know won an award already for best biography, uh, mm. is um, is really a, an insight into a completely unknown um, person and time period um, that's 
you know, important for people to understand because, you know, even, even when we're looking at medieval history, you see a lot of parallels with modern history. And sure. You learn from it and, and the geopolitics. Yeah. Uh, that were going on are, are really still there today. And that's that's certainly very true of the whole Balkan region and, and Eastern Europe, so. And you run uh, a website for us, the Balkan.press, which is I find fascinating everything you put out because a lot of, many Americans don't know anything about that region and it's a hotbed and could explode at any moment, so. Oh, absolutely. I would, I would, yeah. it, it's a region that that needs you need to keep a close eye on because uh, as, you know the power structures in the world shift um things are going to to change there as, as they always have throughout history which is yeah. back to my point um it's an area that's always been dominated by you know the great superpowers and still is today and when powers you know the power of one wanes the power of another will come in to replace it True. And, and that causes a great deal of upheaval so how do people find out about history of books Kurt? They go to our website, historyabooks.com, and that's spelled H-I-S-T-R-I-A, books.com. The company's actually named after an ancient Greek city on the Black Sea coast near the mouth mm. of the Danube called Histria, which we can actually visit as a tourist site today. It's, it's ruins, but it's a, uh, it's a very interesting, interesting place. But historyabooks.com, um, and across all our social media, it's at historyabooks.com. Um, so, and of course our books are available on all major book retailers, um, around the world. So it can be being bought anywhere, um, you, anywhere you can buy books. Well, thanks Kurt. I appreciate it. And, uh, we'll look forward to the new titles coming out in the new year and we'll have you back. Thank right. you. Thank you, Todd. So Kurt is, um, really tip of the spear on the publishing arena too. You know, there are others that have, you know, uh, that have done so, but, He's fearless and really puts out a lot of good stuff, and we're proud to be associated with him. So with that, uh, Bill, I think you had some information on who owns PayPal, right? I do. Uh, I was able to pull up the institutional holders. It's a little small. I don't know that there's a conclusion to be drawn here, but I found them interesting. Mm -hmm. um, Vanguard, BlackRock, and State Street. Uh, ranked one, two, and three in terms of size of current holdings, according to uh, Yahoo Finance. So, uh, again, not sure we can draw any conclusions, but notable, perhaps. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we've heard those names before, for sure. So I would encourage everybody to get off the financial matrix, go to the new economy. There are providers that can do credit card transactions that, um, you know, start becoming self-reliant, which is where, what we're all about here at CDM. Yep. So with that, figuring out yeah. what to do, or, you know, our good friend of the show, David Cross is one of the ones to consider perhaps to uh, consult. Definitely. Definitely. At us at us asset management.com. So, what's the, what's the website? It's, it's us dash am.com. I think um, anyway, Google David Cross and us asset management yep. <laughs> to be sure. So uh, I think that's it, Bill, unless you have anything else. No, that's it. We'll have, uh, we'll have more uh, come Wednesday and uh, uh, or perhaps some more from you while you're in Israel over the next couple of days. So uh, yeah, we definitely will have that. And we'll it's be kind safe of day by, and keep yeah. the info coming. It's kind of day by day, but uh, go ahead and take us out. Thank you, Bill. All right. Sounds great.